listener production. US stocks consolidate on the back of weaker than expected economic news. And a flat start to trade is expected on Tuesday ahead of the Reserve Bank's interest rate decision. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday, July 4. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update, Ryan. It's an important day with the RBA decision today, but the lead that we were left with as far as Europe and the US was concerned last night, it's uh, quite underwhelming. Yes, it was a very subdued session in the United States, Tom, ahead of the Independence Day public holiday. So it's a big holiday. We saw US share markets close at 1pm New York time, so a very subdued session and there was a big focus overnight on manufacturing data. And also considering that we've got a rate decision later on in the week, you'd certainly be keeping your powder dry. But nonetheless, the Nasdaq up 0.2 of a percent, the S&P 500 up 0.1, and the Dow Jones was largely flat. And as you rightly point out, Ryan, the measure of manufacturing activity according to the Institute of Supply Management, a key benchmark of activity, underwhelming. We did see the ISM index drop to 46 points last month. That's the lowest reading set since May 2020. And that suggests that we're seeing a contraction in manufacturing activity in the United States, eighth straight month below the 50 level, indicating the contraction, the longest streak since the Great Recession from 2007 to 2009, Tom. Within this, it's not just the headline measure. There are a lot of components that contribute to the the overall measure. In addition to anecdotes that are offered by the authors of the survey, Ryan, and I suppose what stood out in that regard, the anecdotes had descriptors like, you know, demand is weak, uh, production is slowing, the availability of work is limited. But one thing that was quite important is that uh, suppliers have capacity, Ryan. That is fundamental at this point in the conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. Of course, we saw supply chain fractures during the pandemic, and that was a source of inflation. And what we have seen is manufacturers struggling under the weight of 500 basis points worth of interest rate increases from the US Federal Reserve since March 2022. Spending by consumers has shifted to services away from goods, and businesses are carefully managing inventories in anticipation of weak demand. So forward-looking new orders did increase a little bit, but continue to contract overall. Prices paid by manufacturers, importantly, fell, so that's a positive sign for inflation, but factory employment dropped. So a very mixed backdrop, but overall weak for the manufacturing sector, which is in a bit of a recession. So I suppose you've got arrows pointing in different directions when it comes to uh, the US economy in particular. You know, I, I remember as a young person uh, joining the markets and you know, you're kind of an eager beaver and you talk to illustrious economists such as yourself, Ryan. Oh, that's very and, kind, know, Tom. But uh, I just remember what one particular um, economist saying to me, you know, you should never underestimate the US economy in terms of its momentum. So, you know, when you've got arrows pointing in different directions, the conclusion is probably difficult to draw. When when they're all pointing in the same direction, then you're probably in a better position to gauge. But I, overall, the US economy, Ryan, you'd still characterise it as being quite strong, wouldn't you? It's certainly being resilient at the moment. The job market in particular will get the latest numbers on Friday for payrolls. But one of the interesting things overnight, Tom, was the reaction of the US bond market. Now, what is going on there Counterintuitive. is quite surprising. <laughs> so what we did see last night after the release of the manufacturing data, and as you'd expect, bond yields eased a little bit. 
But then we did see bond yields lift. So the US two-year lifted by six basis points to 4.94%, and the 10-year rose by four basis points to 3.86%. We're edging higher towards that 4% level for the 10-year. What we're seeing at the moment is that bond markets reckon a central bank policy error is on the card. So that is largely reflected by market indicators signaling that central banks will take policy tightening too far and tip their economies into recession. And we have seen that best represented overnight by the further inversion of the US government bond yield curve. So investors really do expect a recession based on what we're seeing in the bond market. So last night, the gap between the two-year and the 10-year bonds in the United States was a negative 108 basis points. That's the deepest inversion since 1981. So, Indeed. So let's just quickly reflect on that for, for people who, because you, know, you talk about yield curve inversion, and if you were talking to someone at a dinner party, Ryan, and you wanted to get rid of them, I reckon the fastest way to do it would be talking about an inverted yield curve. The relationship between a short and long-term interest rates is normally positive when a uh, economy is going along as well as it should. Uh, if the prospects for an economy aren't great, then the rate of a long-term bond will fall beneath the rate of a short-term bond. That's all it is. Yield curve inversion sounds fancy, but it just means that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. The bigger that difference is, you know, the greater the depth of the recession, perhaps. That's a, a terribly oversimplified way of stepping through that. I think it's a good way of explaining it. And really what this suggests is that central banks are focused on headline inflation remaining fairly elevated. But of yep. course, their core focus is on underlying inflation. That's backward looking at the moment. And we have seen central banks remaining hawkish in this environment, especially the US Federal Reserve. We heard from the European Central Bank at Sintra last week in Portugal. And we're seeing the Bank of Canada resume policy tightening, as has the Reserve Bank of Australia. And Britain and Norway have made big moves in June. So broadly, what this suggests is that markets think the central banks are going too hard. The markets are thinking that the uh, central banks are generally behind the eight ball when it comes to managing inflation and the elevated rates of core inflation, as you rightly point out, including in Australia, Ryan, which is the thing that just blows my mind that you know, you've got core inflation as high as it is and there's this discussion around the RBA being on pause today. A lot of focus today on what the Reserve Bank will do here. The Commonwealth Bank's official call is for a pause or at least a continuation of it. And, and so, Although they have qualified that as being a line ball decision. Really, the focus today will be on the commentary from the Reserve Bank apart from its decision. In terms of markets, well, depending on which one you look yes. at. So if you look at Bloomberg, it's the consensus there is that we're going to see no change at 4.1%. But at the same time, if you look at Reuters, we're seeing a different outcome there where the poll is suggesting that the Reserve Bank will lift interest rates by 25 basis points to 4.35%. So the forecasts are almost no help whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but look, uh, what struck me, Ryan, in the last day was the strength of the data that we had in relation to the housing market. So what's very clear is that people are animated when it comes to trying to fix a better rate on their mortgage because the owner-occupier refinancing rate um, at a record high. When was the last time you saw a dynamic like that? Well, it's not surprising that refinancing's at a record high at the moment, given- We're at the beginning of the mortgage cliff. We've got the fixed rate roll-off to yep. variable rates with the big lift in those 
variable rates since the Reserve Bank started lifting interest rates. So that's not a great surprise, but we did see activity in the housing market fairly buoyant in the month of May and also into June. So we saw home prices lift yesterday, according to CoreLogic. Sydney home prices are up 1.7% in particular, and we have seen home prices up quite sharply since the bottom in February. It's really on the back of strong population growth, limited supply. The number of listings is fairly, fairly limited as well, but also at the same time, anticipation that the Reserve Bank is near the end of its rate hiking cycle. So if you look at the housing market more broadly, in May, we did, as you mentioned, see housing finance commitments lift. And then we also saw a bit of a big pickup in apartment building approvals. They're quite volatile. But nevertheless, the housing market activity is something that would concern the Reserve Bank. This is interesting because, you know, they've got their hands full with inflation. Is there an emerging dumpster fire taking place where the property market's concerned? You don't want to be fighting a battle like that on two fronts, do you? No. So the question now is whether if we see further rate hikes, whether we see home prices start to ease again. So that's the unknown. We've got some very strong population growth at the moment and limited supplies are mentioned. But one of the other factors to also talk about is that we have seen pay rises for workers on enterprise bargaining agreements record the biggest jump in 11 years. So wage growth is now expected to exceed the official forecast of the Reserve Bank, and that's going to maintain pressure on them to lift interest rates. So those workers with enterprise bargaining agreements that there's about 841 in total, and in the March quarter, they received an annualised pay rise of 3.7%. So what we are seeing at the moment is the continuation where pay gains are putting pressure on the Reserve Bank as far as inflation is concerned, and that's in the mid middle of a situation where we are seeing the labour market still buoyant. Ryan, where does that balance of risks uh, fall at the moment? Is there a benefit in waiting? to get those quarterly inflation numbers? Or what we've seen as uh, early as the last day, is there enough to justify a quarter of a cent? My personal opinion is I think so. I think that certainly the wages backdrop would indicate that services and core inflation will remain sticky. And at the same time, the current level of policy rates probably isn't high enough given the data backdrop. The economic data in Australia has been a little bit mixed, but some of those key labor labour market points and also the housing data points suggest that the size of the disinflation task for the RBA still remains elevated. And of course, as we saw last week, the core number for the monthly consumer price indicator edged lower, but not by much. And if you look at the dynamic around the world, and let's not forget the Reserve Bank will be influenced by what's going on with other central banks around the world. They've shifted more hawkish Mm. through the last month, pointing to sticky services and inflation. Household spending, which was released last week in Australia, remained broadly resilient. And of course, the Reserve Bank's focused on unit labour costs, which remain strong and inflation expectations remain elevated. It'll be fascinating to see uh, what the RBA does. Probably more so than recent times, their credentials are on the line in terms of this decision, in terms of how focused they are on managing inflation and uh, how committed they are to embedding that mindset within the, the populace. Well, certainly the view is if they don't lift today, they'll lift in August, but why wait? I mean, I, I get they want to look at the quarterly consumer price index at the end of this month, but 
if if that is higher than expected, then once again they're behind the eight ball and they may panic and lift rates again. So let's just get this going. I think that's really the main game today. Uh, we didn't get terribly much uh, information from the Northern Hemisphere. The figures that we got out of China yesterday in relation to the Kaijin Manufacturing Survey, uh, they were underwhelming, those figures, and did nothing to help the fortunes of the local market. We were only up by around 0.6% yesterday, considering that the US market had done quite well the night before. So uh, there is a bit of a taint coming from the Chinese side of things as far as the performance of our uh, resource sector, for example, is concerned, Ryan. Well, absolutely. And last night, there was quite a big development in the energy market. So we did see all prices down. The US oil NYMEX price fell by 1.2% to 69.79 US dollars a barrel. Concerns about a slowing global economy, Chinese demand, possible interest rate hikes, outweighed supply cuts, which were announced by heavy hitters Saudi Arabia and also Russia. Saudi Arabia said it would extend its voluntary cut of 1 million barrels per day for another month into August, and Russia said it will reduce oil exports by 500,000 barrels per day in August. So that development may provide some support for energy prices throughout today, although volumes will be very thin because of the US holiday, but that's something to look out for. But where we are seeing some weakness is in the iron ore price. That was down by 84 cents to 110.87 US dollars a tonne overnight. And that really does point to a seasonal slowdown that may compound China's sluggish economic recovery, Tom. We've got the Aussie dollar trading uh, not vastly changed from where it was yesterday afternoon. So it's trading at 66.7 US cents. Its fortunes in the immediate term will hinge on not only the decision, but the associated commentary that we get from the RBA this afternoon at 2.30. That's right. And in company news, Intertech Pivot and Macquarie Group are both scheduled to pay their dividends today. So investors in those two stocks, look out for that coin. Indeed. Happy RBA Day, please. If you've enjoyed the conversation today, leave us a, a comment or a like or uh, something along those lines on whatever platform you're engaged with. Thanks very much for tuning in today. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.